Mr. Chief Justice. The majority leader is recognized. I uh, consulted with Congressman Schiff, and uh, it looks like roughly 10.30 tonight, so we may need a short break somewhere between now and 10.30. Uh, Mr. Chief Justice, distinguished members of the Senate, counsel to the President, my colleagues, the American people. The second official act that President Trump used to corruptly abuse his power was the withholding of an Oval Office meeting with the President of Ukraine. Before we took the break, we started walking through the overwhelming evidence about how President Trump withheld this official White House meeting that was vitally important to Ukraine as part of a corrupt scheme to convince President Zelensky to announce two phony political investigations. These investigations were entirely unrelated to any official U.S. policy and solely benefited President Trump. We talked about why withholding the meeting was so significant to our ally, Ukraine. Ukraine is a fragile democracy under relentless attack from Russian-backed separatists in the East. U.S. support is vitally important to Ukraine in that war. They desperately need our support. They desperately need our assistance. Because of this vast power disparity, President Trump had immense power over Ukraine, and President Trump knew it. So when President Trump asked for a favor on a July 25th call, he knew that President Zelensky would feel incredible pressure to do exactly what President Trump wanted. President Trump used his agents, both his administration appointees and his personal attorney, Rudolph Giuliani, to make clear to Ukraine, even in early July, that much-needed White House meeting that they requested would only occur if they announced these phony political investigations. Now to be clear, as Ambassador Sondland testified, everyone was in the loop. That includes Acting Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, and Secretary of Energy Rick Perry. Even ahead of the July 25th call, Ambassador Sondland was in close repeated contact with these officials. His mission, schedule a telephone conversation during which the new Ukrainian leader would personally commit to do the phony investigations sought by President Trump in order to unlock a meeting in the Oval Office. This for that, a quid pro quo. Now, this isn't just based on the testimony of witnesses. It is corroborated by texts 
and emails as well. Let's look at some of that evidence now. On July 13th, for example, Ambassador Sondland emailed National Security Council official Timothy Morrison and made the case for President Trump to call the Ukrainian leader prior to the parliamentary elections scheduled for July 21st. In that email, as the highlighted text shows, Ambassador Sondland said, the sole purpose of the call was to assure President Trump that investigations will be allowed to move forward. In other words, to get the Oval Office meeting, President Zelensky had to move forward on the phony political investigations, part of the scheme to cheat in the 2020 presidential campaign. This for that. On July 19th, Ambassador Sondland spoke directly with President Zelensky. He spoke directly with President Zelensky to prepare him for a call with President Trump. Ambassador Sondland coached President Zelensky to use key phrases and reassure President Trump of Ukraine's intention to bend to President Trump's will with respect to the phony investigations that President Trump sought. Ambassador Sondland told Kurt Volker that he gave the Ukrainian leader a full briefing. He's got it. That's what Sondland told Volker. In response, Volker texted, most important is for Zelensky to say that he will help with the investigations. That same day, Ambassador Sondland emailed top administration officials, including Acting Chief of Staff Mulvaney, Secretary Pompeo, and Secretary Perry to summarize his conversation with Zelensky. In that email, Ambassador Sondland said Zelensky is, quote, prepared to receive POTUS's call. We'll assure him, meaning POTUS, that he intends to run a fully transparent investigation and will turn over every stone. Both Acting Chief of Staff Mulvaney and Secretary Perry responded to the email, noting that the head of state call would be scheduled. Secretary Perry wrote, Mick just confirmed the call being set up for tomorrow by NSC, the National Security Council. And Mulvaney responded, I asked NSC to set it up for tomorrow. Neither Mulvaney nor Secretary Perry took issue with the fact that Sondland coached Zelensky to yield to President Trump's pressure campaign. But instead, they took steps to connect the two leaders. Everyone was in the loop. They were aware that during the July 20th call, President Trump intended to solicit foreign interference in the 2020 election and pressed the Ukrainian leader to announce investigations into former Vice President Biden and the crowd strike conspiracy theory. There was no focus 
on advancing America's foreign policy or national security objectives. The only priority was President Trump's corrupt demand for phony investigations in exchange for an Oval Office meeting. This for that. Here's Ambassador Sondland's testimony confirming this scheme. Everyone was in the loop. It was no secret. Everyone was informed via email on July 19th, days before the presidential call. As I communicated to the team, I told President Zelensky in advance that assurances to run a fully transparent investigation and turn over every stone were necessary in his call with President Trump. In his call with President Trump. Now we come to July 25th, the morning of the infamous phone call, the culmination of a months-long campaign to engineer a corrupt quid pro quo. That morning, before the call took place, President Trump provided guidance to Sondland. On the morning of July 25th, he told him that President Zelensky should be prepared to announce the investigations in exchange for the White House meeting. After Sondland's call, with President Trump on the morning of July 25th, Sondland urgently tried to reach Kurt Volker. When he could not reach Ambassador Volker by phone, he sent a text that said, call ASAP, and he left a message. Volker testified that he indeed received that message, which involved the following content. Quote, President Zelensky should be clear, convincing, forthright with President Trump about his commitment to fighting corruption, investigating what happened in the past. That refers to the Russian-inspired fake, phony, and false conspiracy theory about Ukraine having been involved in interfering in our 2016 elections. And if he does that, President Trump was prepared to be reassured that he would say yes. Come on, let's get this date for this visit scheduled. Ambassador Volker then conveyed that message approximately 30 minutes before the Trump-Zelensky call to Zelensky's top aide, Andre Yermark. As you can see on the slide, Ambassador Volker texts Yermark, Zelensky's guy, and says, assuming President Z convinces Trump he will investigate slash get to the bottom of what happened in 2016, the White House meeting would get scheduled. This for that. So President Trump talks to Ambassador Sondland. Sondland talks to Ambassador Volker. Volker talks to President Zelensky's aide, Yermark. And then 
the July 25th call occurs. When Ambassador Sondland testified, he agreed with this sequence indicating it certainly makes sense. Here is what Sondland had to say. But the sequence certainly makes sense, right? Yeah, it does. You talked to President Trump. You told Kurt Volker to call you. You left a message for Kurt Volker. Kurt Volker sent this text message to Andre Yermak to prepare President Zelensky. And then you, President Trump had a phone call where President Zelensky spoke very similar to what was in this text message, right? Right. And you would agree that the message in this, that is expressed here is that President Zelensky needs to convince Trump that he will do the investigations in order to nail down the date for a visit to Washington, D.C. Is that correct? That's correct. Indeed, on the July 25th call, when President Trump asked for a favor, President Zelensky was ready with the magic words. He said, I also wanted to thank you for your invitation to visit the United States, specifically Washington, D.C. On the other hand, I want to ensure you that we will be very serious about the case and will work on the investigation. This for that. Read the transcript, President Trump says. We have read the transcript, and it is damning evidence of a corrupt quid pro quo. The evidence against Donald Trump is hiding in plain sight. During our presentation, we've walked through the serious issues presented in the plain reading of the July 25th call, but now you can see the entire context of how this corrupt parade of horribles unfolded. The quid pro quo was discussed in text messages, emails, voicemails, calls, and meetings amongst top administration officials and top Ukrainian officials. Indeed, President Trump's message was delivered to either President Zelensky or his top aides on four different occasions in the month of July. Four different occasions. On July 2nd in Toronto. On July 10th at the White House. On July 19th during a call between Zelensky and Ambassador Sondland. And then on July 25th before the call with the two leaders. So before that fateful call on July 25th, President Zelensky understood exactly what needed to be done, a quid pro quo. The evidence of President Trump's grave misconduct does not end with that July 25th call. From that point onward, President Zelensky was on notice that it was President Trump himself who demanded those two phony political investigations. After the July 25th call, the Ukrainians followed up with President Trump's direction and began to coordinate with Rudolph Giuliani, the president's political 
Bagman. Acting on the President's orders, U.S. diplomats, including Ambassador Sondland and Ambassador Volcker, worked with Mr. Giuliani to continue pressuring Ukraine to announce the phony investigations that President Trump sought in exchange for that Oval Office meeting. This is corruption and abuse of power in its purest form. Over the next two weeks, Mr. Giuliani directed Ambassadors Sondland and Volcker to negotiate a public statement from President Zelensky announcing the investigations that President Trump corruptly demanded. Here is how Ambassador Sondland described this August time frame. Mr. Giuliani conveyed to Secretary Perry, Ambassador Volcker, and others that President Trump wanted a public statement from President Zelensky committing to investigations of Burisma and the 2016 election. Mr. Giuliani expressed those requests directly to the Ukrainians, and Mr. Giuliani also expressed those requests directly to us. We all understood that these prerequisites for the White House call and the right White House meeting reflected President Trump's desires and requirements. Deputy Assistant Secretary of State George Kent described the pursuit of President Trump's corrupt demands as, quote, infecting U.S. engagement with Ukraine. Here is his full testimony. In mid-August, it became clear to me that Giuliani's efforts to gin up politically motivated investigations were now infecting U.S. engagement with Ukraine, leveraging President Zelensky's desire for a White House meeting. In short, U.S. diplomats responsible for Ukraine policy understood that Giuliani had de facto control over whether the Oval Office meeting would be scheduled and under what circumstances. Mr. Giuliani had been given that level of authority by President Trump, and it was infecting official U.S. policy toward Ukraine. To shake loose the White House meeting, top Ukrainian officials knew that they had to meet with Mr. Giuliani, who John Bolton described as a human hand grenade who was going to blow everybody up. So on August 2nd, Mr. Giuliani met with Mr. Yermark, President Zelensky's top aide in Madrid. Giuliani in Madrid meeting with Zelensky's top aide on August 2nd. Mr. Giuliani made clear in that meeting that President Trump needed more private assurances that Ukraine would pursue the investigations. Mr. Giuliani made clear that President Trump needed a public statement. According to Ambassador Sondland, and this is very important, President Trump did not require that Ukraine actually conduct the investigations in order to secure that White House meeting. The Ukrainian government only needed to announce the investigations because they were phony and they were simply designed to cheat in the 2020 election, solicit foreign interference, and corrupt 
our democracy to the benefit of President Trump. So the goal was not the investigations themselves, but the corrupt political benefit that President Trump would receive as a result of these announcements. He also wanted to shake this Russia thing and instead blame Ukraine with the fairy tale that Ukraine interfered in the 2016 election. The facts didn't matter to President Trump. He only cared about the personal political benefit of these sought-after investigative announcements. Over the next few weeks, Ambassador Sondland and Volker worked with Mr. Yermak to draft the public statement for President Zelensky to issue. Ambassador Volker was also in frequent contact with Rudy Giuliani regarding the content of that statement. Now, Rudy Giuliani, of course, is not a Secretary of State. He's not an ambassador. He's not a member of the diplomatic corps. He was working in the political, personal interests of President Trump, interacting with Ukrainian officials. On August 9th, Ambassador Volker texted Mr. Giuliani and requested a call to update him on the progress of the negotiations for the statement and discuss the content of what it should include. Volker said that Yermak had, quote, mentioned Z, President Zelensky, making a statement. He suggested that he and Mr. Giuliani get on the phone to make sure I advise Zelensky correctly as to what he should be saying. Later that afternoon, Ambassador Sondland suggested to Ambassador Volker that they obtain a draft statement from the Ukrainian government to avoid misunderstandings, or in other words, make sure that President Trump's political objectives were met. Ambassador Sondland also reiterated that President Trump would not be satisfied by a vague statement. The Ukrainian leader needed to commit to the phony investigations in explicit terms in order to secure the sought-after Oval Office meeting. This for that. Call records subpoenaed by the House show multiple communications between Ambassador Sondland and Mr. Giuliani on the one hand and numbers associated with the office of management and budget and the White House on the other. On August 8th, around the time of direct communications between Mr. Giuliani and Mr. Yermark, Mr. Giuliani communicated repeatedly with the White House, sending or receiving six text messages and completing several calls. Most notably, late in the evening on August 8th, Mr. Giuliani called the White House in a highly distinctive pattern. At 8.53 p.m., Giuliani texted a White House number. At 10.09, a number identified only as Dash 1 in the White House call records called Mr. Giuliani five times in rapid succession. Two minutes later, Mr. Giuliani attempted to return the call 
trying an Office of Management and Budget number, then the White House Situation Room, then the White House Switchboard. At 1028, 16 minutes after Mr. Giuliani tried to call the White House back frantically, Situation Room, Office of Management and Budget, Switchboard, 60 minutes after Mr. Giuliani tried to call the White House back, Giuliani and the Dash 1 number connected for four minutes and six seconds. We should be clear. We do not know what Mr. Giuliani said or even who he talked to. We do not know who was on the other end of that mysterious call with the Dash 1. President Trump refused to produce documents and ordered key witnesses not to testify, hiding part of the truth from the American people. He obstructed our congressional investigation. But we do know that Rudolph Giuliani frantically called the White House late into the night. We do know that he talked to someone at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And we know that Mr. Giuliani likely talked about the drug deal that John Bolton characterized. Over the next few days, President Zelensky's aide, Mr. Yermark, exchanged drafts of the public statement with Ambassadors Volker and Sondland, who consulted on these drafts with Mr. Giuliani. The Ukrainian officials appeared to finally relent. They agreed to Mr. Giuliani's specific language about the phony political investigations in exchange for the Oval Office meeting. On August 10th, Yermark texted Volker that the Ukrainians were willing to make the requested statements, but only if they received a date for the White House meeting first. Mr. Yermark texted Quote, I think it's possible to make this declaration and mention all these things. Yermark, again, is Zelensky's top guy. He later wrote, the statement would come out after we receive a confirmation of a date for the White House visit. Ambassador Volker counterproposed. They would iron out the statement in private, use that to get the date for the meeting in the Oval Office, and then President Zelensky would make the public statement. This for that. Mr. Yermark countered, once we have a date, we will call for a press briefing, announcing upcoming visit and outlining vision for the reboot of the U.S.-Ukraine relationship, including, among other things, Burisma, and election meddling in investigations. That was a specific reference to President Trump's corrupt demands. Two days later, Mr. Yermark sent the draft statement, but the statement did not reference Burisma or the 2016 election. As soon as Mr. Yermark sent the statement, 
What did Ambassadors Sondland and Volcker do? They sought a call with Rudolph Giuliani to see if the statement would suffice. They needed to check in with Mr. Giuliani, who was leading the charge to lock down the corrupt quid pro quo. Let's listen to Ambassador Volcker. This is the first draft of that uh, from Mr. Yermak after the conversations that we had. And it does not mention Burisma or the 2016 election interference, correct? It does not. Uh, and you testified in your deposition that you and Ambassador Sondland and Mayor Giuliani had a conversation about this draft after you received it. Is that right? That is correct. And Giul Mr. Giuliani said that if the statement did not include Burisma and 2016 election, it would not have any credibility. Is that, is that right? That's correct. Mr. Giuliani, acting on behalf of President Trump, made clear that the statement from the Ukrainians had to target Vice President Biden for the reasons outlined earlier today. And it had to mention the conspiracy theory about Ukraine interfering in the 2016 election. After Mr. Giuliani conveyed this on the telephone call, Ambassadors Volker and Sondland texted Mr. Yermark and requested a call to convey that message. Ambassador Volker says, hey, Andre, we spoke with Rudy. When is good to call you? And Ambassador Sondland makes clear the urgency texting important do you have five minutes? Now, Ambassador Volker made clear to Mr. Yermark that the statement needed the two key items Mr. Giuliani required for the president. Here's Ambassador Volker's testimony to that effect. Hi, Andre. Good talking. Following his text with insert at the end for the two key items, we will work on official request. And then you'll see the highlighted portion of the next text. The other is identical to your previous one, and then it just and adds, it including, the, including these involving Burisma and the 2016 elections. Is that right? That is correct. And that was what Mr. Giuliani insisted on adding to the statement? Uh, that's what he said would be necessary for that to be credible. And the Ukrainians ultimately did not issue this statement, is that right? That is correct. And President Zelensky ultimately did not get the Oval Office meeting either, did he? Uh, not yet. President Zelensky is still waiting for that Oval Office meeting. Ronald Reagan, in a speech that he delivered in 1987 at the foot of the Berlin Wall, in the midst of the Cold War, said to the world, East and West do not mistrust each other because we are armed. We are armed because we mistrust each other. And our differences are not about weapons, but about liberty. The Trump-Ukraine scandal is certainly about weapons. It's about the unlawful withholding of $391 million in security aid. It's about a withheld 
sought-after Oval Office meeting. It's about trying to cheat in the 2020 election. It's about corrupting our democracy. It's about undermining America's national security. It's about a stunning abuse of power. It's about obstruction of Congress. It's about the need for us here in this great chamber to have a fair trial with witnesses and evidence. It's about a corrupt quid pro quo. But perhaps above all else, it's about liberty. Because in America, for all of us, what keeps us free from tyranny is the sacred principle that in this great country, no one is above the law.